Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So today I would like to share with you uh, my experiences um, the last 48 years in trying to follow and serve my spiritual master, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. So it all began in 1970. I had realized I need a guru. So I was going guru shopping. There were many gurus in Boston at that time. And so I found one, and, and I got a mantra from him. And he said, you just meditate 10 minutes morning, 10 minutes night, rest of the day, do as you like. And after six months, you can become God. Or maybe, if not God, then liberated. I tried. I tried my best. But it, it didn't happen. So then I met the devotees. And went to the, we hitchhiked. We didn't have money. We were hippies. We hitchhiked to the feast. And uh, I asked them, I said, so what is your process? And they said, you chant, you dance, and you eat. I said, okay, I'll try that. And I said, so if I do this, what can I expect to achieve? They said, you will see God. I said, yeah, I want to see God. I don't want to be God. I can't be God. There's no way. There's no way I can be God. And so I tried, and I'm still trying. I'm still trying. And I'm seeing God. I'm very happy to see Krishna here. Radha Madan Mohan. So I was coming to the temple for a few months, and uh, my husband was also coming a little bit. He wasn't as enthusiastic as I was. So then one weekend came where the devotees said to me, um, Prabhupada is coming. Why don't you stay for the weekend? And I said, okay. My husband wasn't into it, but I, I went and I stayed for the weekend. And what happened, the first day Prabhupada was supposed to come, he phoned and said, well, I'm not able to come, but I'm sending four sannyasis instead. One of those sannyasis was Vishnu Jan Maharaj. We were out day and night singing on the streets. And after that weekend, I thought, why should I go back home? I'm happy here. Let me stay. So I went and said goodbye to my husband, and I joined the temple. Uh, but my husband joined two months later, because he was a hippie. He said, I won't work. Now, I was working a little, so we could eat. But after I left, he, he couldn't really follow his philosophy, unless so he had to join, because devotees didn't work in those days. <laughs> they just danced and chanted the whole day in the streets. And, and that was, that was um, the way we survived chanting and dancing. We lived on the holy name. Uh, we, we, were, we were just intoxicated. Even when we were waiting, like sometimes we had to wait, our prasad was late, we would sing and dance while we were waiting. That's how it was. And um, we kind of lost contact with our bodies. One time somebody asked me, 
um, are you okay? You you feeling sick? I said, yeah, maybe I got a fever. Or maybe it's ecstatic symptoms. I can't tell. Well, that's how we were <laughs> in those days. We were, we were always happy. Uh, chanting Hare Krishna, as Prabhupada said, chant and be happy. So, but what I learned from that experience of, of joining the temple was that uh, I was hesitating to take the next step. In those days, you had to join, you had to live in the temple in order to be a devotee. You couldn't live outside. So I was hesitating, but Prabhupada, just by saying he was coming, he didn't even come, made me take that next step. And not only me, four or five others never went home that weekend. We all stayed for the rest of our lives. And so that was the power of, of Srila Prabhupada. Even he didn't come, but he said he was coming, and that was enough to make us join. And so after six months in the Boston Temple, our, our temple president, Satsvarup Prabhu, he was, he was a grihasta, he said, I'm sending you to Florida. Now, Boston is at the top, and Florida is at the bottom. How are we going to get there? Not by plane, not by trade, and not by bus. We had to hitchhike. <laughs> that was the means of transportation. They just dropped us on the highway, on the tollway, and we had to hitchhike to Florida. <laughs> that was our means of transportation in the old days, uh, when we didn't have much money. So we got a ride within an hour, even though we were dressed in yellow sheets and uh, we had no suitcases, we had some boxes with our things on the highway. Somebody picked us up and took us to New York and New York devotees were more merciful and they let us collect a little bit for a bus fare. Um, so then in Florida, um, after six months, um, I, it, six, it was the standard that after six months you would get initiated. That was the standard. Six months in the temple, and you get initiation. So after six months, I asked my temple president, so can we get initiated? He said, you know, your husband is two months behind you. Wait for your husband. I said, okay. I waited two months more. And then I said to my husband, okay, let's get initiated. He said, I'm not ready. I said, well, I'm not waiting any longer. So I wrote a letter to Prabhupada. I made my beads. You had to make your own beads. We didn't have beads in those days coming from India. We had to string them ourselves. And then we had to uh, mail them. And Prabhupada was in Indi India. I had to mail my beads with a letter. And I wrote a letter to Prabhupada. And we had, at that time, maybe second canto, few chapters. I quoted from second canto, and I said, there's a verse that says, if you don't get the dust of the lotus feet of the pure devotee, you're like a dead body, although living. And I quoted that verse. If you don't initiate me, I'm like a dead body. So he wrote back and he said, yes, your first birth is from your father and mother in this world, but your spiritual birth is from your spiritual master. And he said, so he gave me six instructions. And... First, he said, chant at least 16 rounds. Follow strictly the four regulative principles. Always read and study my books. Do arti, do deity worship, and go for sankirtan. Five. So those five I've been doing my life. For seven years, I was pujari, priest in the Calcutta temple in India. And for seven years, I was doing book distribution in Maharashtra, Gujarat, Rajasthan in India, 
So seven years, seven, sorry, seven years, seven years. And then now, I'm, since 1994, I started to teach, study all the books. So I've been doing all the five things. One thing is left to do. And he said, 24 hours be engaged. So that's yet to come. I still have to dream about service at night, uh, have to be engaged. So then after a few months, he wrote me another letter. And he told me how to do, what consciousness, what attitude I should have. Three things. He said, you should do, uh, you should be sincere, act sincerely with enthusiasm, and cooperate with the other devotees at the same time. So two are personal. One is the group uh, method, cooperation. That's more difficult. So in 1972, Prabhupada asked for 50 devotees, no, 20, 50 devotees to come to India. So we were chosen from our temple. Again, Satsrup Maharaj, he said, go to India. Oh my God, how are we going to get to India now? Got a hitchhike or what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, no, again, the same story. We got to New York and they were merciful and they let us collect. And in three weeks, we got our $300 ticket, one-way ticket, because Prabhupada told us to go. He didn't tell us to come back, so we got a one-way ticket to end. We've been there ever since, <laughs> 1972. So in India, it was very austere. In Bombay, we landed, Juhu. There was no temple. The deities were in a tent. The devotees, the men devotees, were in a hut, which was indescribable. It was everything combined. It was the uh, not only the men's ashram, it was the uh, prasadam room, it was the kitchen, it was the office, it was everything. Very, very austere. Uh, I remember I walked there, and, and Giraj, who was, not, who was a brahmachari, he was lying underneath the table, and I said, what are you doing under the table? He said, well, I have a very high fever. It's the only place where nobody will step on me. So that was, we had this pot of drinking, we had a pot of drinking water. You open it up and all these bugs would fly out from it. And that's what we had to drink. There was no bislary. And the first day in Prasadam, I was watching these huge rats running across the rafters. And I was hoping it wouldn't fall on my plate. And he fell in someone else's plate. I was so happy. <laughs> I shouldn't have been, but anyway, it was enough culture shock <laughs> to be in India. Uh, so yeah, we managed, but well, after two weeks, they sent us to Calcutta. I was happy because the ladies' ashram in Bombay, we were on the roof of one of the buildings. We didn't even have a roof over our head, and it was summer. So I was happy that Calcutta, at least we got a roof over our head. And uh, so after, uh, at the beginning, 1972, I went, we went to Vrindavan uh, to hear Srila Prabhupada speaking Nectar of Devotion lectures. And uh, he was, it was a very, very wonderful place. It was not, now today everything is kind of getting paved and paved over, but in, in those days there were peacocks dancing on the main road and there were no loudspeakers. You could hear the temple bells in the morning so Prabhupada was lecturing, and he was trying to convince the Bridge Basis that we are Vaishnavas, although we are Western. Uh, 
So one and uh, he would have darshan in his room afterwards. And one time, we were sitting there, and Prabhupada was sitting on his just like this kind of seat. And at his feet there were some bananas. One monkey ran in, grabbed the bananas, and ran out. And Prabhupada said, "See how intelligent that monkey is. None of you would dare to do that." <laughs> And so he said, but don't be intelligent for eating. Don't be intelligent for eating. Uh, so then he, at one darshan, he singled me out. He said, my sister tells me that you speak Bhagavatam very nicely. So I was surprised because I never spoke Bhagavatam, what to speak of nicely. And uh, so I was thinking, what, what does she mean? And then I remembered Jamashtami Day in Calcutta, we had the tradition was we had to read Krishna book from morning till night. We each took turns. It was my turn to read. And I think my only audience was Prabhupada's sister. She was sitting in front of me. And she I was reading in English, she only knew Bengali. And I was reading Ras Leela and Krishna left the gopis and she started crying and crying and crying and I don't know how she understood. And she told Prabhupada she speaks Bhagavatam very nicely. <laughs> That's my and, but 30 years later, it ha- I started speaking Bhagavatam, started teaching in Vihe. So um, it was very wonderful. The early days, we were just like one big family when we were in Boston. Um, and we were expected, you know, to very quickly take up Krishna consciousness. We were out on Harinam, and uh, I remember Giraj Prabhu, he was, he, after two months, I was. Uh, out on Harinam, he, he said, okay, so now you should speak something. I said, but, but, he says, you've been a devotee for two months now. You should be able to speak. That was our chaining in those days. <laughs> we should be able to lecture after two months being in association with devotees. And so that was our training. So back in Calcutta, um, I was Pujari, worshiping the deities. And in our in our temple, that we had a window in back of Radha Krishna. And every day, the bees would come in. On Radha, Radha Govinda's side, there were two bumblebees, and they would fly around, and then they would land in the lotus flowers. We had these big, huge lotus flowers, 144 every day, plus 50 garlands every day. I had one man donating. And I would change the flowers five times a day. So we had a very opulent uh, flower decoration every day. We had four kinds of champa, we had mokro, we had gardenia, we had rose, we had everything, flower crowns, very opulent. And Prabhupada really liked the flower decoration. One time, uh, Darshan Arti, he came and flowers were everywhere. We, you know, all the whole altar was covered. And he called us up to his Vyasasan, my husband and I, and he said, thank you so much for decorating the deity so nicely. And then we were offering obeisances. And after that, when Sanyasi said, did you hear what Prabhupada said when you offered obeisances? And I said, we said, no. He said, be blessed. We got the blessings of spiritual master. So our, our life is perfect, but at the same time, you can't retire after you get the blessings. The next day you have to earn them again, you know. Okay, we got them on one day, but now tomorrow is a new day. <laughs> have to earn the blessings again <laughs> and for the rest of your life. So 
Um, now in Calcutta, I used to also type for Srila Prabhupada, um, and I had to like read the Sanskrit. The first day I walked in the temple, they gave me Ishopanishad and said, okay, you got to type Bhagavad Gita, you got to transliterate. Here's the Sanskrit, learn it. How to re go from Sanskrit to English. So we had to do that. So same thing in Calcutta. The Pradumna came up to me and he said, so um, now Prabhupada is going to Mayapur. He wants to um, translate Chaitanya Charitamrita. He needs you to type. So you need to learn how to read Bengali now and we're leaving tomorrow. I said, no problem, I'm coming. <laughs> we'll do anything to be with Prabhupada. So I, for a couple hours I learned the Bengali and off I was in, in Mayapur. And I was typing and, and again, very austere conditions. Our, um, yeah, our ladies ashram, there were, there were holes in the wall, no windows. There were doors without handles. And so the wind would blow the doors open, and we couldn't do anything about it. And uh, the ladies ashram, had, we had to go through another room to get out, and the other room had no floor, and we were on the first floor. Uh, so it, we had to walk across this plank to get to the door. There was austerity. So I was typing for Prabhupada in another room, sitting on the floor with a trunk or something as my desk, and it's ancient, ancient, you've probably never seen one of these. Uh, it's a typewriter without electricity. <laughs> and you have to smash it every, at the end of the line. You type and then <laughs> So I was on one of those. And Prabhupada looks in the room and I had the headphones on and I was listening to his dictaphone. I had a big Chaitanya Chaitamita book open and it was all in Bengali. So I would hear Prabhupada say the Bengali, I would read it in the book and I would type it in English. So Prabhupada looked in my hole in the wall window and he said to me, so, you know Bengali? I said, yes, Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> he said, so, come to my room. <laughs> so he asked, you know Bengali? Yes, Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> he said, so, um, you learn how to type in the Bengali language and Bengali letters and we will do many books together. So I had visions, I'm going to travel with Prabhupada, but they called me back to um, Calcutta to be Pujari because all the Pujaris left because we got a new temple president, Gargamuni, and everybody was afraid of him, so they all left the temple. So I had to be the head Pujari in Calcutta. And uh, one Bengali was teaching me how to type, and a Bengali typewriter, and I said to him, look, you don't have to look at the keys, you just look at the pages, and then you, you can touch type, you don't have to look at the keys. So I was teaching him. He said, oh, now I understand what Prabhupada told me. He said, you teach her, and you also learn from her. So I was teaching him touch typing in Bengali. Yeah, so that was Prabhupada, he, he gave us all facility. He didn't discriminate men and women, but he engaged all of us in in the service of Krishna. So, um, and after Prabhupada, well, let's see if there's another thing I can tell. Yes, another story. One time I was doing Mangalarti, my, my seva, my deity seva was 20 hours a day. I got four hours of sleep in Calcutta. Uh, I was up waking them up, putting them to sleep, dressing them morning and night, and uh, four artis. I was doing Mangalarti and 
12 o'clock RT and 4 o'clock RT and evening RT. And this was every day, seven days a week, no vacation, for five years like that constantly. Um, so one time I was doing Mangal RT and I was offering the gila and I turned around to offer it to the devotees and there was Prabhupada standing right behind me. And I, I was really nervous. I, I didn't know what to do. I, should I do puja? Should I offer it to him? What should I do? So I did a quick puja and offered it to him like that. And then whole Archie, he was standing right behind me watching. I was really nervous. It was about six inches away. And uh, then afterwards I thought, well, I should do all my service like that. Prabhupada standing right behind me watching me. <laughs> That's another thing I learned. So um, we used to go on a morning walk. I went on one morning walk, I remember, in Bombay. Uh, I was late. I was around to catch up with devotees, and I offered obeisances. Prabhupada stopped the whole morning walk to acknowledge me and said, Hare Krishna, you know, I felt so good. It's like he, It's not like he was too busy to, you know, who was I? I was just a, some one out of thousands, some insignificant woman. But he had he had took the time to acknowledge my presence, and then after and when we were on the walk, he was going so fast, and he was like seventy something, and I was twenty something, and I couldn't catch, keep up with him. So I was trying to figure out how does he walk so fast. I was always trying to figure him out when he would give class. He would look at him, but it looked like he was coming from another dimension. It looked like he was like a movie. You look at a film or something. So I was trying to figure out, is he here? Is he somewhere else? Is he, well, you know, we were just trying to figure him out, but I never could figure him out. And then I realized, okay, it's not by your intelligence you can figure out the spiritual mastery. It is by your service. So um, in 1994, that was after Prabhupada left, I was in Vrindavan and I didn't know what my service was going to be. So I was chanting Japa. I kind of I got an indication. Okay, I should teach. You, you've been studying. You've been reading the books. Now you should teach the books. Share what you learn. So um, I went. I was looking for confirmation. So I went to Prabhupada's Samadhi in Vrindavan. I walked in the Samadhi, and there was this tape of Prabhupada speaking, and he said, "Do you think the deity is made of stone?" I looked up, I said, no, Prabhupada, you're here. I believe you're here. He said, do you think the Gosamis are so foolish they're worshiping stone? I said, no, Prabhupada, I believe, but I, I want some personal instructions and confirmation what I'm meant to do. So I thought, then I got the idea, okay, I'll go to Prabhupada's house and I'll read the letter that's on his desk. So I went to Prabhupada's house and sure enough, there was a letter and it said, now, you are one of my senior disciples. I'm counting on you. You have, just, you have learned the art of Krishna consciousness, so teach it purely for the benefit of others. I said, okay, I should teach. Now, problem was, I, there was no place to teach. There was no facility. The ladies couldn't give lectures in the temple in Vrindavan. Now it's changed. Now you can. But that was 1994. VIHE was only for men, men's Bhakti Shastri. I couldn't teach there, so but I got the order. I'm supposed to teach. How am I supposed to? What am I supposed to do? So I, I started teaching. I was living outside in one life member's house. I started teaching, but then the the guards, the chokidar, said, "You can't teach here. This is a private house. People can't be coming here." So then, 
I went to the top of the Krishna Balaram guest house and I started teaching on the roof up there. And then after one year, I got a place in back of MVT and I taught there for two years. And then after three years, the VIHE started for women also and then I was able to officially teach. But what I learned from that is if you get the order from the spiritual master, uh, if you have no facility, it doesn't matter. You have to make facility. You have to just do it. You can't wait for the facility to come to you. You have to make the facility. And then what happened after one year teaching in VIHE, I started traveling and teaching all over Europe. And then the next year, the brahmacharis teacher didn't show up. I taught the brahmacharis. So it was, uh, it, it's a question. There's, if you have some, a desire to do some service for Krishna, nothing can stop you. It's a spiritual, it's between you and Krishna, it's between you and your spiritual master. And uh, if you just take one step, Krishna takes 10 steps to you. You just have to do it. And so that is also now this new thing, um, nomination to be Diksha Guru. So why am I, am I doing this? And some people are asking, why are you doing this? What a thankless task. This is very difficult. Why are you putting your neck out? But the reason why is because it's a service. I also feel that this is, I got the order from Prabhupada to do this. I, when I was chanting Japa in 1994, I got the order to teach and I got the order to be guru. And now it's, it's also more formal. It's, it's in the process and uh, why, so why am I doing this? Because it's Prabhupada's desire. He wanted thousands of gurus. He wanted everybody. Um, your mother, Rukmini, she was in the room with Prabhupada, and he said, I, and he was looking at all the devotees, I want each and every one of you to start a temple. And, and Rukmini said, even the girls? Prabhupada said, yes, even the girls. He said, everybody should do this. Whoever knows Krishna, whoever knows the science of Krishna. So first reason, Prabhupada desires it. Second reason, there is a need. There is a need. Prabhupada wanted thousands. There's a need for thousands of gurus. The whole world is suffering. Everybody is suffering. So we should not hold back. If we can help them, we should not hold ourselves back. So in 1966, there was just a handful of hippies. And Prabhupada said to them, you must become guru. Lord Chaitanya says, nobody is responsible for his birth. His responsibility is to advance in Krishna consciousness. If we want to enter the kingdom of God, there's no impediment. It doesn't depend on any material condition. It's open for everyone. The chance is given. You can become Brahmana. You can become a great devotee of Lord Krishna. And you can become spiritual master of the whole world. That was Prabhupada's order to us. So we have to follow his order. What can we do? So thank you very much. If you have any questions, you can ask at this point. <laughs> yes. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Mahatma, for such a nice class. <laughs> I'm hearing your description. We feel very much like we are there with you and feeling that enthusiasm and uh, that anything is possible. So uh, sometimes it feels that that mood or that feeling has faded from Prabhupada's society. 
So I suppose my question is, what is it, because I'm convinced that the reality is still the same, but the question is, what can we do so that we feel that same mood that you had? What can we do so we can feel the same mood as uh, impossible is a word in a fool's dictionary? Yeah, we need to be challenged. Now there's different challenges going out. I think Vaisheshika is challenging people, a chapter a day of Bhagavad Gita. So I think these kind of initiatives w would be very helpful. Now you're in the area of kirtan, you can challenge people in kirtan, or like you were challenging people to dance today. <laughs> so uh, we need to be creative and think of ways to uh, encourage people to participate with whatever gift. Everyone has a gift from God. Everyone has a gift from Krishna. So we just have to discover what gift we have that we can give to Krishna. Somehow I discovered I can speak, even though I never thought I could. It was a big challenge for me to get up after 27 years being in the movement and never giving a class. But now it's okay. Now I can do it. <laughs> it's all right. And so we need to take up the challenge. The challenge is there for everyone. The order is there for everyone. It's not just for Prabhupada's disciples to be guru. We're all meant to be guru. That's our legacy. Thank you so much for giving this class. Tomorrow I have a, <laughs> a major life-changing thing taking place for me tomorrow. And coming and hearing you glorify Srila Prabhupada and um, the power of if you have a desire to do service for Krishna, nothing can stop you. Really inspired and touched my heart. Thank you. And I thank you so much for continuing to serve in the movement over these years. It is inspiring to everyone, and in particular women, to know that like Krishna loves all of us despite whatever challenges that are present. So thank you very much for sharing your heart and letting us know that there is nothing that's impossible if you serve Krishna. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Prophet's you. mercy. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, he was next. Hare Krishna, thank you for a wonderful class. We don't see you often enough. Please, uh, by Krishna's grace, come back more. Um, uh, a couple of things you were mentioning, uh, the importance of Prabhupada's instruction about uh, everyone uh, become guru. Um, please speak uh, to us about the uh, importance of an aspiring devotee to aspire to take initiation from a spiritual master. The importance of initiation. The importance of initiation, and I also have one other thing. Well, initiation is like um, just it's like getting married. Um, when you get married, you take vows. Um, so when you take initiation, it's a it's a formal vow in front of the fire, in front of the devotees, in front of the deities. That yes, this life I will dedicate to Krishna. I will I will chant my sixteen rounds, and uh, it's like a formal vow. It makes it clear to everyone that yes. This is, I'm serious about this now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to try my best to chant 16 rounds every day and follow the four of principles and do some service for Krishna in this life and go back to Godhead. 
Since this is Prabhupada's movement, is it correct for someone to feel, well, uh, just by uh, coming to the temple or just by um, serving Srila Prabhupada in, in uh, a general way, it's all right. I don't have to take initiation. Well, if you feel like that, it may take you many, many births. You can come back this life and next life and next life and come to the temple and uh, do so many things. And that's helpful. And maybe it will take you many births. But today I, w I saw a video of Prabhupada. He said, it can take you one minute to be Krishna conscious. And so we don't want to take many births. We want to finish in this life, as Prabhupada encouraged us to do. Okay? The other thing I had uh, uh, very quickly is, how did you learn... How did you learn languages so quickly? How did I learn languages so quickly? Uh, Bengali and Sanskrit. I didn't, I, 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 yeah, I just used a book. You know, I don't know. It, it's, it, I can't figure out how Krishna works. <laughs> he, he, just, he just gave me mercy. Okay, any? Hare Krishna, Mataji Dhanvat Pranam. All goes to Sula Prabhupada. I was hearing you, so I was, you know, imagining how it could be possible from going uh, going from America, staying in India, especially Juhu, where nothing, no, no such facilities. But in our case, especially mine, I, I find some difficulties while, you know, uh, uh, like doing some service, dedicating some time, and like uh, going some, some places for, you know, service or anything related to Krishna conscious and balancing the whole household things and kids. Uh, I sometimes struggle in time and even health. Uh, so how do, should I, you know, pray from heart, like, you know, give me some good health or something, or how it can be? You can okay. pray to Lord Nishingade for health. He's in yeah. charge, he's our health minister. Uh, uh, Lord Nishingadev. But yeah, somehow or other. And if you got uh, uh, management problems, you could go to Balaram. Prabhupada oh. said. Okay. okay. Tell Balaram, my dear sir, I have this problem. Usually, it takes about a day for help to come. It's very fast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, prayer helps. Personal benefit, like you know, uh, give me that, give me this, or give me good health. Yeah, it's okay. Pray to Krishna. For everything. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, next over here. Thank you very much for that very powerful insight to what it meant to be a devotee of Prabhupada back in the <laughs> early days. The extent of sacrifice would, by today's measures, be recognized as extreme austerity. And so my question in reference to that, and it goes to both her point with health and his question about learning languages is uh, today there's a sense of wanting to be better organized and <laughs> to go and attempt something without having the money, without having the expertise, etc., is somewhat dismissed. How do you find that balance? Where do you draw the line between overreach on one side and poor management or being uh, too um, uh, immature about what you're trying to do. 
Because by today's measures, if somebody were to do the things that you're talking about, it would not be taken seriously. But to hear your story is inspiring. Where's that balance point? Well, the thing is, it was a state of emergency. And uh, if the house is on fire, you don't try to organize too much. You, <laughs> you try to get the people out. You, anyway, you get the message, the house is on fire. It was a real state of emergency. I know in Bombay, uh, one doctor, he tried to organize us, Dr. Patil. He, 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 he was an impersonalist. He would discuss with Prabhupada. His goal was to merge into the Brahman, and Prabhupada was trying to preach to him Bhagavad Gita. So he, he felt compassion for the devotees. He gave them blankets, mattresses, mosquito nets. After two years, everything went missing. No organization. He complained to Prabhupada. said, these devotees, they're not taking care. Prabhupada said, yes, these devotees don't care if they sleep on the floor. They don't care if what happens to their health. That liberation you so much desire, they already have. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, but he did say one of the last things he said was intelligence and organization is required to carry on this movement. So that's also there. We organize as much as we can, but then the result is up to Krishna. Even now, you, you can't predict the result. Uh, okay, any other questions? I just wanted to thank you for being a role model to women in ISKCON <laughs> and to tell you that I find your stories of Prabhupada very inspiring. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's another reason why um, there should be women Diksha Gurus uh, as a role model. They show women can also achieve the highest state of teaching. It should be there. Okay. Anybody else? Question? Thank you, Mataji, respectfully, and I'm so impressed. Uh, you inspired me a lot. Um, coming from India, especially from UP side, hmm. close to Brindavan, I was just wondering that uh, when you were, uh, if I may say, hippie, uh, do you have a kind of a goal in mind where you're going to destine, like where you're going to go to uh, ultimate? Uh, and also, while you were starting it, initiation. Um, you sound like a, it was all well scripted, and you knew how to follow the script, and there was no hindrance and hurdles on your way. It sounded so simple and so easy. Would you share about some of the obstacles you faced, and have those obstacles made you think twice now I got to go back to America, go back home, and enjoy my life. Thank you. Yeah, well, the ob obstacle was our health was, was very bad because we didn't have proper facilities. But I do remember uh, back when I was in Calcutta, somehow or other, my mother got a phone call through to Calcutta, which was, we couldn't even call Calcutta. I don't know how she did it. Um, my mother, come back home, she said. I said, and I remember I had high fever. And I was on the phone with my mother. And I said, Mom, I can't come right now. I have work to do. So <laughs> we, for us, it was an adventure. Obstacles might be there, but we were young. We were going to save the world. 
It, nothing, nothing could stop us. Obstacles, they, they were welcome. We would say, yes, no problem. Uh, we were very happy. We were, it was an adventure. I mean, in Calcutta, we had no electricity. We had no water. We had a big bathtub like this with a tap open the whole day, and we would get this much, and that was our quota, one loda. And if you use soap, two lodas. <laughs> and if you got to wash your hair, one more. <laughs> it's like, oh. And I was Pujari. I had to take four baths a day. So you can imagine. Uh, no water, no electricity, huge cockroaches, rats, you know, but we were, I was so excited to be part of this movement. We were revolutionaries. Hippies, we were revolutionary. We wanted to change the world. So we kept that after we became devotees. We kept that, yes, we want to change the world, but it, the revolution is going to be spiritual. It's a revolution of consciousness, not to overthrow some government or something. That's useless. The revolution, just like Bhagavatam, Prabhupada quoted that verse, tadvagvisargo janataga viplavo yasmin pratishokamabhadyavatapi, that those words from Bhagavatam can create a revolution in the impious lives of this world's misguided civilization. So yes, we had that idea. Our goal was revolution. And Prabhupada... Uh, it was so strange because we, our, our slogan was never trust anyone over 30. Our Prabhupada was 70. I don't know how he tricked us. <laughs> I don't know how. He, somehow he got us to, do, to follow him, you know. And he, you know, no one trusts anyone over 30. Um, <laughs> but we never thought we would reach 30. 